You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker Podcast, on all platforms. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel as well, live from Canes County. And today I have Larry Bluestein, South Florida reporter, joining me for a Blue Monday. How's it going today, Blue? I'm doing good, Marcus. Thanks so much. And uh, obviously what we're learning a lot more is uh, nothing is predictable in the ACC. And that's, uh, (laughs) you know, just when people at the beginning of the year want to start saying, well, we'll beat them, we'll beat them, we'll lose them. Things are kind of thrown out the window because here's a Boston college who almost beat FSU beat the same Georgia Tech team that Miami lost to. Miami turns around, beats Clemson. Um, so it's uh, nothing is for sure. And uh, yeah. and as as we find out, here's Pitt, who beat Louisville two weeks ago. You know, and everyone's talking about how invincible they are. So it's uh, the only thing for sure is uh, Virginia's next week. Yeah, that that is the one thing that is for sure. I mean, college football is college football, right? It's it just – it just uh, is constantly changing. And I always laugh at these analysts when they try to put teams in, in, in a championship game at this point of the season. Yeah. Because, you know, college, this happens every year. It's almost like they have amnesia of what's happened over the past, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. It always changes. Teams always yeah. fall off. And one of those teams that fell off or seems to have fallen off is Clemson as Miami knocked them off last Saturday, 28-20 in double overtime. Blue, you're usually in the press box with me and we're, you know, kind of discussing the game together. But uh, this time you're in the stands, um, you know, with a buddy of yours. So you had a different perspective. You got to hear what the fans thought, especially in that first half. I mean, we heard the boos from, from the press conference, but what was your perspective from the stance? Well, it's a whole different, you know, and I haven't done it in a lot in my career is to sit in a, uh, you know, a fan setting like that. I think the last time uh, I was in the fan uh, stands for a game was the Orange Bowl when Miami played Wisconsin. And, um, you know, that was the last time. And a friend of mine had a big Clemson fan, even though we were sitting in predominantly Miami. Uh, but uh, you, you hear a lot, especially in the first half is, you know, I mean, things that we may not hear in the press box, like, you know, the, you know, get rid of Mario and this is not going to work. And then all of a sudden in the second half, uh, tunes changed. I mean, you're yeah. going with a freshman quarterback with really taking very few significant snaps um, who probably prepared but didn't prepare as much as if he knew he was 100% going to start. I think the coaching staff kind of had an idea about that before probably a couple of days ago, knowing that uh, Tyler Van Dyke probably wouldn't be ready um, and uh, – I think the defense played really well. 
You still got to remember, though, even though Clemson's fallen off, that they've got dudes, you know. I mean, they're big up front. Uh, defensively, they're very active. They fly to the ball. They have a good running back. They have, uh, you know, a, a quarterback. And Klubnik is also still trying to feel his way through. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you had kind of two similar teams. But Miami had more to fight for. I mean, they had lost to Georgia Tech in a game that, Really should never have been a loss. They lost at North Carolina where they kind of started giving things away in the second half with turnovers. So there was a little bit of doubt and everybody was saying, whoa, no, this can't be another six and six or seven and five team. We got to go to a bowl. We've got to kind of continue to improve um, every week. And um, this was a huge game, uh, you know, bigger than most people think. Uh, you more so from Miami than Clemson. Because Clemson's been there, done that. They've had that reputation. I mean, they're going to recruit off of, you know, what they've done in the past. And Miami still have, doesn't have a immediate past. And, um, yeah, this was so important for Miami to come out with a W in this game. And, and as they, as I said, as they approach Virginia, uh, they could become bowl eligible. And uh, that's something of a first step. It's not the definitive, it's not the holy grail, but it is a step that Miami needs to take, you know, to, to keep in the, you know, in the, in the spotlight. And they're getting a lot of national games, which is perfect for recruiting. They're getting a lot of national games where kids and analysts and people could see, you know what, this program is definitely on the, you know, on the rise. I mean, you know, and, and I keep reiterating, and I don't want to be beating a dead horse, but I think sometimes you've got to uh, kind of make the not only the fan base and the boosters, but the media sometimes loses fact that how poor Miami's roster was last year and what they were faced in doing in the offseason and trying to get frontline players forget about depth they were trying to get frontline starters which they did at, on the offensive line in a couple of other spots so i you know what i'm i'm at the belief that you see i understand it and there's a few people do like yourself but there's not you know everybody wants to kind of quick react and knee jerk all the time and have but you have to understand where miami came from you know, last year to where they are now. And I think it's a, a significant growth. And um, with this positive recruiting class that we had uh, in this past class and then uh, working towards in this next class, along with probably much needed uh, transfer portal kids, uh, things could be a whole lot different next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk about last year. Last year, they they only won five games. This year, they've already won five games. Yeah. So that kind of already kind of tells you where they are as far as comparing it to last year. And, sure. and uh, yeah, my, Miami's on the right track. Cristobal is definitely pushing this team and program in the direction where it needs to be. And I think the fan base just needs to be patient. I mean, just like they needed to be patient in that game <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, true. In the, in the first Tale half, of two halves. Right, exactly. In the first half, they they were already booing uh, because there was too many bubble screens, I'm sure. Um, but they were just trying to get Emory Williams kind of going yeah. in this game. I mean, he was a true freshman making his first college start. I mean, last year he was in high school. 
in the panhandle, um, and, you know, where it's not really high level high school football compared to right. South Florida. So it was going to take some time for him to kind of get his feet wet in this game. And, and, you know, the fan base not wasn't necessarily patient with that, but Hey, patience uh, kind of paid off in this game. But the biggest takeaway before we even get into Emory Williams, which I'll ask you about his performance. Um, my, I just want to share my biggest takeaway in this game. And, and that is that Miami has really significantly upgraded their team when it comes to the trenches, you know, uh, when it comes to the offensive and defensive line, this team is night and day when it comes to last year. Um, and you talked a little bit about the depth as well. Miami's got plenty of depth on that defensive line and they have depth at linebacker. Now that was a position yeah. uh, of, of concern for Miami for years since the days of Quarterman, McLeod, and Pinckney are no longer on the team. So that was the biggest takeaway for me, Blue. What was your biggest takeaway that from this game? Well, uh, a lot what you saw. Um, and, I mean, and, and people have been writing Corey Flagg off for three years, but all oh, he yeah, does right. is make big plays. That, you know what I mean? Guy. <laughs> exactly. And and that kind of shows you at that position with Malinola's um brother who I mean, he's a real godsend to this team. He makes big plays. Yeah. He's a you know, one of those dudes that you say, you know, if he was playing for Oregon or Washington or they say, Oh man, we gotta get a kid like that. And now they do. And Wesley Besaint, who has been inconsistent, there's no doubt. Everybody knows he's come up. But the great thing about it is you have a good defensive uh, front seven now, and that helps facilitate some of the growth in the secondary. Uh, the Davis kid has filled it admirably and made some plays. Obviously, both the Browns uh, are still feeling their way. Daryl Porter Jr. has had a really good year. So I think the growth on the defensive side and, you know, you could look at uh, Coach Guidry and say, you know what, here's a guy who is – working uh, miracles with what he has. I mean, truthfully, I mean, you know, th this isn't Ohio State. This isn't Alabama. You know, this isn't a team that has three of everything. You know, I mean, this is a team that, you know, as you said, they've added depth in certain places and defensively at the linebacker position and up front where they can interchange guys at the defensive end spot. So, um, and on offense, and we'll get, obviously, we'll talk about Tyler in, in just a minute. I think what Miami's doing now on the offensive line, or the offense, is use it, utilizing the offensive line. And they've played so well uh, this year. And again, listen, Clemson, I mean, their defensive line, I think they're like collecting Social Security. I mean, they're all graduate guys. They're, they're you know, what, numerous games started and at high level. So yeah. Miami more than did their job, you know, and, and, and paved the way in the second half and gave them an opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously when people criticize the quarterbacks, not just with Emory, but what TBD does by going to Restrepo a lot. 
Why wouldn't you? I mean, he catches the ball. He gets open. No, he's not going to take it 80 yards for a touchdown, but all it takes is 10 yards for a first down. And if you continue to get those and, you know, that'll open things up for everybody else. And the guy that I'm really, really happy about this year, that's finally getting a chance to show what he's all about is Brashard Smith. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a big play guy. He's one of the fastest kids on the team. And that's the one thing. A lot of these, you know, Ray Ray Josephs and, you know, they're going to ease their way into more and more playing time as, as time goes on. But, um, yeah, my assessment yeah. is that what took place on Saturday evening at Miami was kind of where Miami is at. They're still searching for the identity and a game like that. I mean, you can't say enough about how, you know, I mean, what people still regard as Clemson as one of the top teams in the country. So. Nailing down a fifth win, uh, something as you alluded to that they didn't do last year, you know, until late and, and they had to hold on and, 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 and wish for a bowl game. Well, that right. could come this Saturday. Yeah, it definitely could. It's it's definitely going to be a tough game. Larry Bluestein joining me here on the Storm Tracker podcast. Uh, well, the controversy in this game before – it started was whether Tyler Van Dyke was even going to start this game or not. He was a game time decision. Emory <clears throat> Williams uh, took the first team reps all week, but he has done that before, um, you know, leading up to the game. But Tyler Van Dyke has started every game this season, but before in pregame warmups, he didn't come out. And that was kind of the indication that it was going to be Emory Williams. What was your assessment of the true freshman's play? And do you think we have a quarterback controversy once Tyler Van Dyke returns? Well, let's tackle the first part. Um, I thought that he, you know, the the really good quarterbacks learn. Uh, and as you said, this was his first start. And he didn't really have the all week to solely prepare to be the starter. Yeah. He probably took more snaps than he usually does, but he still didn't, nobody really knew, you know, until the last couple of days. So I give him credit, came out, was a little bit shell shocked early, but again, th that Clemson defense is, is pretty good. You know, they hit you, they fly great linebacker play. So, I thought he did really well coming out. And I think what happened was you got to kind of, uh, you know, credit um, Shannon Dawson as well for probably getting with him in the corner at halftime and say, okay, let's go over what happened here in the first half and let's try to, you know, cut down on the mistakes and, you know, and, and try to scour the, the field instead of locking on a receiver, you know I mean? And yeah. that's one thing that unfortunately TVD was doing the last couple of weeks is, you know, yeah. locking on a receiver and not going through his progression, but thought he did that. And, um, to your second part, I don't think there's a controversy. You still need that senior leadership. And, you know, I'm yeah. sure he's going to get plenty of time to get in there. You know, he, whether Tyler's healthy or not, he's going to probably scoot him in, you know, in the second half. And, you know, I mean, that to me, and it doesn't really take away continuity because, you know, your objective is the same thing. It's not like this is going to be a two-headed quarterback for the future. It's sort of like getting your kid ready for your number one ready for next year. And, um, and I, you know, 
getting a chance to play against a Virginia team. And I'm not going to say anything that they're not good, or, but on paper, they're a, le a lesser program than what Miami's played uh, this year. Uh, yeah, they've had big wins, but Miami's going to be ready for this game. They have, if Emory has to play again and start again, he's more equipped to do it. And certainly the, Road is never going to be easy for this team the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. Miami's going to, you know, have to continue to play well against these ACC teams. And the ACC, as we kind of see, is, is a different ball game. And they struggled against Georgia Tech. So uh, every game is going to be tough. And I think, you know, it, it's – it's a game that Miami is going to take very seriously um, coming Saturday. Uh, last thing on the Clemson game, though, um, Clemson, I don't know what you think about, about their offense. I mean, it didn't get to really kind of speak to you about the game, but, you know, that their offense did, just didn't look good. But was it Miami making their D, uh, offense not look good or – was it, you know, just a lack of execution? Because I don't know if you heard in the in the post-game press conference with Dabo Sweeney, even that on that last play, said that the the quarterback Cade Klubnick took the ball and kind of, you know, uh, you know, I guess freestyled the play and didn't, you know, run the exact play. So, you know, do you think Miami won this game or do you think Clemson lost this game? Combination. Uh, both things. I think that Clemson came in thinking, you know what, we could play an average game and still win. I mean, they should, they watched the game last week when Miami pretty much handed it to North Carolina after playing a really solid first half. Uh, I saw them lose to Georgia Tech. Whether it was one play or not, I think the when you watch film, it's over an entire body of a game and not just predicated on one play or two plays. So, and then let's credit Miami's defense. You know, I mean, they yeah. were all they were there. They made plays. I mean, obviously, Club Nick had some balls that were overthrown to wide open guys. Yeah. Uh, but that sometimes, you know, could be because of a pass rush. And, you know, and, and that's the one thing Miami's probably worked on as much as anything is, is to try to, you know, get the interior going and, uh, with Bain, they did. I mean, there's this is one of those guys that, you know, I, I remember uh, back in the day with Warren Sapp and uh, and Butch Davis and Jimmy Johnson both telling me that, uh, wow, uh, this is a guy that disrupts. You have to hold him out and practice sometimes because he just won't let us get any work done. Uh, and I think Bain is that type of guy. I, yeah. This is somebody by the end of this year going in the next year will not only be regarded as one of the best interior defensive linemen in this in the ACC, but you got to figure he's going to be a top prospect or top person nationally. And guys like him and Leonard Taylor and, you know, the defensive ends, and certainly, as I mentioned, with the linebackers, they're all progressing in a way where – I think that, you know, they're taking that that leadership. Uh, and I just think they've come so far. And you're going to see next year that this roster that you see now will change even more. 
And um, yeah, I mean, you you've yeah. seen Marcus firsthand what can happen when uh, the transfer portal takes takes hold. Look, it's happened in, in programs like USC over the last couple of years or the last two years, and some of these other teams that have benefited. Florida State, uh, you know, both of their wide receivers were portal kids, a running back, yeah. a linebacker. So the complexion of your team changes, but it's good to know that you have a nucleus of young kids who are aboard now that are getting a baptism and, and a good baptism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so this week we've got Virginia on, on the docket and Virginia pulls out an upset against North Carolina last week. Uh, the wide crazy world uh, that is the ACC and that is college football yeah. over. A one-win team beats an undefeated team at home. Um, and Miami just left Chapel Hill yeah. uh, with, with a loss. So I think Virginia beating North Carolina is probably the best thing to happen to Miami. Because now yeah. Miami is totally, you know, not going to underestimate Virginia, especially after a big win after Clemson. I think it's a very winnable game. Uh, for Miami, if they control the trenches, just like they did in this game, um, yeah, I, I am I am thoroughly surprised that Miami held Clemson to basically un, a, a yard, yeah, you know, per, per carry, which is yeah. unbelievable with those two NFL worthy backs they have in the backfield. Um, Will Miami avoid the trap against Virginia? Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to be an emotional game from a lot of standpoints. Um, uh, Deshaun Perry, who passed last year, tragically, uh, yeah. this is a game where I think they're going to honor his family, you know, before the game, even though it's a Miami home game. Obviously, he's a Gulliver product, and uh, I think it's going to be emotional for Virginia on that standpoint because there's going to be a lot of family and friends in the, you know, in the stand. So Miami, what Miami needs to do is come out and forget about last week's game. Forget about the North Carolina and, and concentrate one game at a time, which I think when teams lose, Marcus, um, sometimes they kind of look past the opponent. And I think maybe that's what happened with um, uh, with Clemson or uh, North Carolina last week. Uh, they, they look past Virginia. I don't think that Miami's going to uh, look past this team. They're they're not an eleven and zero team where they could just say, you know what, roll it out. They know that the pitfalls, and uh, they and you're right. I think hundred percent. You're right. I think they're going to take the focus, the preparation of this game, like it's Clemson, like it's A and M, like it's one of those higher opponent opponents. Because if you don't, you're going to get slapped. And yeah. Miami only has this game in Louisville at home, and the rest of them are going to be on the road. And that means NC State. Uh, you know, I know you people laugh at Boston College, but they beat the same Georgia Tech team that you lost to. So, obviously, yeah. those games are going to be, you know, test. Florida State is not going to be a joke. So, you got to win. You got to win this week. You got to get bowl eligible and then keep taking it one game at a time. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, that's just what 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 has to happen. There's again, the fans got to be fans. And I understand that. But the players and the, and the team cannot get up, get caught up in that. Oh, well, when we beat this team and beat that. No, 
You got to play Virginia. If anything, like you said, didn't wake you up, it's that game where they won last week in Chapel Hill, a place where Miami looked pretty crazy in the second half. So, but yeah, turnovers are everything. And, and we find that out that if you lose the turnover margin, you're going to lose the game. And uh, so it's on yeah. any given Saturday and certainly Miami, Virginia, Miami has uh, the full focus on Virginia. And now you could, you almost bet that Mar that Mario Cristobal is not going to let it be any other way. Yeah, absolutely. Miami won the turnover battle, of course, last Saturday. As we've seen in ACC play, once they win the turnover battle or lose it, that pretty much is a, an indication of how the game will turn out. Miami already opening as an 18-point favorite at home next week against Virginia. You got five games left here, Blue. Um, I do want to just kind of ask real quick before we, we jump into some recruiting stuff. Uh, you got five games left here. You got a Virginia. You got an NC State, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College. All tough teams, in my opinion. All teams that can beat you on any yeah, given yeah. Saturday. With the team now five and two. What do you think will be the uh, record after uh, or the win total after the season is over? Uh, this is like barring the bowl season. So not not taking into account the bowl game. Out of those five games, what, what, how many games do you think they uh, end up with Ws? Well, I say that at the beginning of the year, I said Miami would finish 7-5. And that was looking at a loss against Texas A&M, but certainly a win against Georgia Tech. I mean, yeah. so far they've pretty much done what I thought. I think this week uh, should take them uh, to six wins. Yeah, NC State on the road is not going to be easy. I mean, not any game like you alluded to is not going to be easy. Um, certainly Florida State's not going to be easy. Uh, the Louisville home game um, – we see how Louisville could play. They beat Notre right. Dame senseless. So, I mean, that's, you know, but then again, then they lost to Pitt. Um, right. So, it, it, and then Boston College, I get, I, you know what, when they first, you know, said, hey, listen, you know, the teams that we're going to be playing this next year, instead of playing Virginia Tech, that will be Clemson and uh, Boston College. I said, wow. Miami's track record at Boston College isn't really great. You know, I mean, especially it's going to be a little bit chillier. It's in that, you know, at the end of November. So I, my only thing to tell you there is I'm not going to back off on my seven and five okay. because of the fact that, you know, I still think there's some games there, like I said, with Florida State, NC State, and Louisville that Miami could lose. Um, but then as we're finding out, they could also lose NC State, could also lose Virginia and Boston College. But, um, yeah, I, it's tough. I, I still say that I figured that they'd be seven and five. And I said it at the beginning, and people were chastising me and saying, Oh, but you, on what basis were you going to give them nine and 10 wins? I, I mean, there it's a, it was like a completely new team, you yeah. know, so you didn't really know what they were capable of until they took the field in the opening game, you know, against Miami of Ohio. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, but you know what? I kind of like don't want to be a hypocrite in saying, you know, give you a seven and five record when I said, you know, every week you got to take one game at a time. So right. I'll say they win this week 
okay. then we concentrate on the next game. And uh, yeah. But this week is vital because it gives them a bowl game, you know, yeah. at least a bowl bid. And, uh, and they'll get it because there was a lot of five and seven teams last year that were teetering on getting like rice and uh, programs like that. So, yeah, yeah I think definitely, um, you know, right now you, you approach that Virginia game, it's going to be. Like I said, it's all those games. Everybody wants to beat Miami. You know that. Ever it, it be it, the fact that they haven't won significantly in well over twenty years doesn't matter. It's just that you on the side of the helmet. All those guys that have played in the in the NFL that are still very much. And let me just say that was a great little ring of uh, uh, the the. Uh, 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 the ceremony for Jimmy Johnson and yeah. uh, obviously Dennis Erickson and somebody who I had an opportunity to watch play when I was growing up and Chuck Foreman, who a lot of people I don't realize in this society understands what a big part he was to that program, uh, you know, back in the day. And then what he meant as an NFL player, always wearing that University of Miami mantra on his shoulder that, hey, he came from the like Teddy, like Ted Hendricks and people like that, that people don't understand were a huge part of this program. And, you know, when people and then I can understand if you're, you know, in your 30s, 40s and even into the 50s that you don't remember players like that, but you got to respect them you know, and what they did. And all you have to do is, you know, look back in the day when, uh, you know, uh, when this growth of the, of the program, Miami was getting a lot of kids from outside the area. He wasn't a really highly recruited player out of Fredericksburg, Maryland, but when he got here, you, you could see, I mean, he was different than what Miami was getting in the past. He, uh, in fact, his senior year, they even had him, uh, as a wide receiver because he thought that they would help that would help them uh, greatly, but it was so good to see him and obviously Dennis Erickson and then Jimmy Johnson, and especially those two coaches who were the most successful in the history of the school yeah. and gave that team uh, prominence and, 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 you know, the you that everybody kind of respects today uh, doing part of what they did. So that was a, a great ring of honor ceremony. I enjoyed that uh, immensely as well. Yeah, it was really nice to, to see those guys. Uh, it, was, it was staggering to see their record because both, yeah. both coaches only had nine wins apiece. And Cristobal already has nine wins to his record <laughs> with a, yeah. a year and a half. Just to kind of put it in perspective, it's no knock on Cristobal at all. It's more no, so, no. It's more so just you know what they did for this program. I mean that. I mean that era is is what I grew up watching. Right. Uh, you know, watching the Jimmy Johnson and then Dennis Erickson era. Um, yeah, it was great to see them in the ring of honor. Well deserved. Yeah. For sure. Uh, right before I get it, get you out of here, I got to talk a little bit of recruiting. Um, and uh, Miami, unfortunately, lost a five star uh, in, in recruiting uh, that would have been in the 2024 class because, you know, he reclassed. Right. Uh, you know, if you are following us on KanesCounty.com, you, you probably knew uh, that he was going to reclass as we were putting that in the message board. I, I want to say maybe two months ago something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 a long time ago. Yeah. So it's old news. Yeah, it is. It really is. It just finally kind of came to light to the public. But flipping to Florida State's got to hurt. 
And people on the message board are asking, you know, like, are, do we expect any more decommits coming um, based on their five and two season? I kind of laughed at it because I'm just like, when do you remember what the record was last year? It was five and seven and they had a top 10 class. Um, and this year, they're clearly a better team. They're clearly rebuilding. How do you think this recruiting class will end up, you know, despite, I, I guess, the record not living up to Miami fans or maybe recruits expectations? Yeah. Well, the way I look at it, Marcus, is you, to me, if you're judging um, – what the record is in 2023. It's not the, you're not the athlete we want. We want you to understand what the future is going to be about. And that's where you land to people like Duke Johnson and players of that caliber, because they wanted to be hurricanes. They wanted to be part of this. They weren't going to let one loss or two losses sway them in 2023 when they are no, they weren't even part of it. They, they all, they understand is that next year, when they come here, they've got an opportunity to get in the mix. And they're looking now, right now at guys like Bain. They're looking at guys like Ray Ray. Uh, They're looking at Mauanoa. You're looking at all these guys who were in high school, high school last year at this time. And they see that they're playing significant roles at a power five school in the ACC. And that to me, Rather than you say, well, I'm going to come into Georgia or Alabama or those programs and sit for two, three years. And why would you want to do that? And I made a comment the other day on the uh, pregame show um, on the WQAM and um, that I thought that somebody like Brandon Innes made a huge mistake. He should have come to Miami because he would have been in every freaking game. He would have been significant. And here he is at Ohio State as a role player, and uh, and there and they recruited four more guys that are pretty good at wide receiver. So, sure. to me, I think when you look back, and I think that Mark Fletcher saw that same thing. He knew that if he came to Miami, that with the way their running game was like in flux, and there wasn't anybody who really stepped to the head of the class, that he'd have an opportunity, and he has. And that's part of what I I see out of this class coming up. Uh, I, I see a bunch of guys that figure, hey, you know what? We come in in the spring or whenever they come in, most likely in the spring. And, hey, we've got a shot by the time things roll around in August to be right in the two or three deep, which is great because you're going to get in a major college situation less than a year when you, you know, went to prom or you didn't go to prom. And I thought, you know, when you take a look at those graduations from high school and those proms, those guys have already had four months in college and then they yeah. go back to their schools uh, to graduate with their class. And, and I, yeah, I, I, I think it's so overblown. I think, and, and I know that this is not going to be a popular statement, but the fan base has got to back off. You know, they, they're always on these kids. They're harassing them and they're only young kids. You know, what are they going to do? I mean, if you, if you, a fan were harassed for every decision that you ever made, it wouldn't be a very comfortable life. So, you know, let things play out, give everybody a chance to breathe. And you know what, what Armando did, you got to remember Armando had a kind of a strange career because he started, in high school as an eighth grader, you know, yeah. at Dillard and, um, and certainly was on the, 
on the um, uh, radar screen way before a lot of these guys were. It was rated as a number what one or two player in the 2025 class nationally at the beginning. He's um, one of the top two or three shot putters in the country for his age group. So you know what? What happened was is Florida State happened to – you know, won that battle, but they're not going to win. Miami's going to win plenty of battles and I would let things go. You know, don't be, you know, harassing the kid on, on, uh, on social media. I mean, that's, you know, he's 17 years old. Let him, let him take a step back. Yeah. I actually, I actually think he's 16 years old. (laughs) Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, he's 25. Right. 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 Just turned into the 24 uh, recruit, but yeah. Great stuff from you, Larry, as, uh, as always. Um, how can others kind of find more information on stuff that you do? Well, we have LarryBluestein.com, which kind of does Dayton Broward. Then we do uh, Prep Red Zone Florida, which is the entire state. And we have a lot of good stuff, not just myself, but uh, the other writers there. They kind of do a lot of recruiting stuff. And then we're on um, – uh, every Monday night at uh, 8.30 on the Canes, uh, the Six Ring Canes podcast, which is pretty informative. I have a lot of guests and stuff. And then uh, we have a radio show that's every week. I can't yeah. definitively give you what day because we kind of dance around the Miami Heat and the, and the Panthers. But this week it's on Thursday night, 6 to 8. Um, and that's it. I mean, you could get me. I'm on social media. You know, I use a lot of Twitter, use a lot of Facebook and our um our um, Instagram account as well. We put a lot of photos up there, a lot of good nostalgic stuff, you know, that yeah. I have a, a, you know, a collection of things from back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, where old time uh, hurricane fans, you know, seem to like stuff that we put up. So it's, uh, there's always ways to get me. And uh, if you have a recruit that you want us to promote, I don't care what level they are, we'll get him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff as always. I love all that historic stuff. Uh, that that you put up as well. It's great stuff from you. You can follow Larry at Larry Bluestein uh, on Twitter. You see his Twitter handle right there for our YouTube viewers. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you follow this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Most importantly, subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network until the next episode.